0: Welcome back to Crazy Faith
1: Talk. I'm Steve. I'm Erica. And I'm Sarah. So friends, we are starting a new series as we go into the summer months here. Um, we, we have looked re- most recently at our calls and what that means for us, but we're kind of going, I don't know, I don't want to say the opposite direction, but in a very different direction uh, for these next few weeks as we go into the summer months. Um, Something that happens a lot in the summer months is we get very patriotic we have things like memorial day is just past Day is coming up fourth of July is coming up. All those very patriotic all the red, white and blue things are coming up for the summer, and so we thought we'd spend some time talking about. patriotism and nationalism and and what are those things, how are they good, how are they bad that kind of stuff so Sarah what are we going to kind of start to dig in with this week.
2: So first, we're going to, in this episode, we're going to lay the groundwork. We're going to define the terms. So then that way, in a couple of weeks, when we're talking about Christian nationalism, you can come back to this episode and you know exactly what we mean when we say Christian nationalism, as well as what we mean when we say patriot, patriotism. Uh, You know, we Mm just kind of want to have everybody be on the same page here before we start digging Uh into deeper topics. So first let's talk about patriotism. Patriotism is the love of country. And I would say that that's not necessarily a good or a bad thing. If anything, it's a good thing, right? You should love the country that you live in. You should want it to succeed. and be healthy and vibrant and successful. These are all good things. You should love your country. And that is what patriotism
0: is. Um, I wonder if we might say then that in the broadest, most basic sense that patriotism defined as love of one's country uh could just be an extension of or particular way of the big commandment of loving your neighbor so like if loving my neighbor includes the individual faces of people who are around me that also includes loving the more broad uh group of people uh with whom i share a nation um and maybe we could say too and this is just to to set up what, what might be a helpful distinction between say patriotism and nationalism in a minute that patriotism doesn't require me to say I only love my country and all other Mm -hmm. countries are bad uh the same way that loving my next door neighbor doesn't preclude me from also loving strangers I've never met uh and also caring about them that patriotism is sort of an open bounded or uh not not sort of closed that that I can love this and that does not rule out me also caring about or seeking the good of others the same way maybe I can have a favorite movie, but not say, and all other movies must be destroyed. Uh, I can have a favorite movie and it's okay for you to like a different movie better or to have a different preference. is that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. And I I would also argue that if you love your country, if you are patriotic, then you should be working towards improving your country, Mm -hmm. right? That if you are patriotic, you can see... The reality around you is that it's made up of people, so therefore it's imperfect, and so therefore we can work to improve it, right? Like, we can recognize that roads need to be maintained, and that occasionally roads that haven't been maintained, we should spend some of our tax money on improving that road. Mm-hmm. same with if you love your country and love the people in it you should want them to be taken care of so therefore be willing to pay taxes towards schools towards um medical improvements in the community whatever it is but I think that's also part of patriot patriotism is sure. to want to improve your country for the people around you you know the people in your country whom you love
0: And maybe we could say, too, then, that allows us to give the benefit of the doubt in conversations with other people who have different answers to the how to improve one's country and not automatically go, well, you must hate your country because you disagree on the how, that it is possible Mm -hmm. to say we can both love uh, the country where we live and have different understandings of the best way to improve it. And again, that doesn't mean we just give up at that point and we're in an impasse We somehow have to find ways to live together, but we don't have to immediately go to because you don't agree with me on the how you must not actually love the country uh, that I love, that kind of thing. Yes. It's, and maybe related to that, it's, it seems to me like a, a logical extension is that to love something is also to be able to see it truthfully and to name where there are flaws or problems. Mm-hmm. And that critique is not uh, a statement of you don't love something. It, the same way in a relationship with somebody that you love, honesty is important. And if the other person is in a you know uh, destructive pattern of addiction or something like that, love is not, well, I'll, I'll just let them continue and they'll drink themselves to death. But like, no, we got to deal with this because I love you.
2: Yeah, I think right along that, that I think, in my opinion, I think it is patriotic to point out the places where there is injustice in our country Uh so that we can work towards fixing it, towards improving it. Um, I think that's very patriotic to point out that, hey. There is a flaw in our legal system and that there is a portion of our population who is being hurt. Yeah. So let's improve that so that we are meeting the ideals of our country, which for us in the United States is peace, justice and liberty for all.
0: It reminds me of a line of James Baldwin, the uh, famous uh, writer of the late 20th century, second half of the 20th 20th century. Um, And I think it's in his notes of a native son where he talks about loving America more than any other country in the world. And then he goes something like, it's exactly because I love this country. I insist on the right to criticize it perpetually Mm -hmm. because it's that like it's exactly because I care about this that I need to be able to say here's where we're not living up to what we are meant to be or what we say we are about that kind of thing
2: mm-hmm.
0: it reminds me too of a line of a poem of um uh langston hughes where he talks about um wanting america to be what it has never been but always a strive you know strive to be and so you know he he writes as a as a black writer in the Harlem renaissance about how the the america of his time you know had always talked about all people being created equal but it never really lived into that and so his is uh point in that particular poem is like that's a beautiful ideal what if we actually did the thing we've said all along we want to be and even though that sounds like critique and it is it comes from a place of loving the ideal that uh this particular Mm -hmm. country is striving or has said it's striving to be so it sounds like as far as a, a rough definition of patriotism we're talking about a positive love for one's country that's not an exclusive love only for one's country and that that love leaves room for or maybe is often best seen in the ability to tell the truth about both flaws and strengths is that uh, uh, where we're at yes Okay. So it sounds like that so far healthy, acceptable, or at worst neutral. Um, but that can kind of curdle over into a different thing, a related idea, but something distinct that is nationalism. So, wh- wh- how, how might we distinguish or, or define nationalism, especially differently from patriotism?
1: For me, I think nationalism takes a lot of the good things that we say about patriotism, like being able to. Hold the country accountable for injustices and, and seeing the flaws in the country, and says, "No, we need to put those aside. Like we okay. we don't want to look at our flaws. Okay, we are good, we are right, we are perfect. And you know, we said with patriotism, I love my country, but that does not mean I don't love other countries or can't you know see the beauty and and the uh, the greatness of other countries. Nationalism tends to be like we're number one." and that's it Mm -hmm. like nobody can live up to our standards nobody can be higher than us we are number one and nobody else compares
2: to me nationalism you know i completely agree with erica but it's 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 this exclusivity of Mm -hmm. the way i'm defining my country my nation is one very specific way like um I once took a history class with an with a adjunct professor who was a child in the 1950s, and his experience in the 1950s was in a white suburban neighborhood and with a stay-at-home mom, and it was very leave-it-to-beaver like, and that was his experience in the 1950s. And that's how he viewed America in the 1950s. He had absolutely no perspective of any other experiences in 1950s America. And therefore like he wasn't even willing to entertain ideas of other experiences of what it would have been like to grow in grow up in an urban setting what it would have been like to grow up in the 1950s as a young black man Hmm. or uh, um, somebody in san francisco as a person of color having you know you know especially like a japanese person a japanese american person who mm-hmm. remembered and lived through oh, an internment wow. like yeah. he had no idea like was willing to entertain that those things happened yeah. in the 1950s America it, because for him America was white middle class one uh you know a working father stay at home mother two kids and a white picket fence and so nationalism is say, would say you know, for a certain type of nationalist, that that is what America Mm -hmm. is. And if you are not that, you are not American. And you don't belong in the same way that I belong.
0: To me, that seems like this is a a way that nationalism um, is going to feel a little bit different in American history than in other nations around the world as well, since so much of American history is based on uh, or, or is, is rooted in different groups coming from across oceans and dealing with people who are already here as well as different groups so that it, from our founding uh, as a as a nation, um, there's been this acknowledgement of you didn't have to be uh, French or British per se. And yet for a long time, there was an unspoken, but yeah, you really did have to come from Western Europe to really count. Mm-hmm. And that w- the way that's changed or the way there's been resistance to that change, that's a, a tension as opposed to say, you know, part of what defines France is it's there have been people uh, from Europe living in France for literally thousands of years and not the same kind of migration um, across an ocean that there was uh, to the United States and to the, the colonies before it as well. So our history is different and our sense of national identity from its beginning has been different Um from from say uh, Europe, although more recently Europe has had different influxes of, of uh, immigrant populations from different places in the world, and they're having to wrestle with, say, what does French identity or German identity mean mm-hmm. uh, if it's not all uh, what it, what it had been in the past? So, like that, that uh, there's a quirk of our story, our our history, that makes that even more pronounced, maybe.
2: And I think also something that Americans wrestle with is are are still our sense of heritage from the places that our ancestors came from yeah um like my family identifies as norwegian american if we're pushed but like we really have retained nothing of that norwegian heritage we're very americanized yeah um and but like we still have that like kind of label Mm -hmm. um and from speaking to people who live in In Europe, for example, they very much seem to have a sense, more of a sense of, yeah, you might be an immigrant, but after you've lived in this place, like say France, for X amount of years, you're considered just you're you're French, especially if you were born here to immigrant parents. But this is all you've known. You're you're French. You don't like put on that like other identity to say you're. you know you're you're Scandinavian French like that's not that's not really a thing or Norwegian French like you're just French you're, you're you're from France um, and i think that's that is such a weird quirk that yeah. we have as americans
0: yeah yeah And maybe we could say, too, a part of how um, American history has dealt with, uh, especially for a long time, it was people coming from different corners of Europe, you know, first Western Europe and Northern Europe, and then eventually other parts of Europe as well, is that those individual nationalities, your cultures kind of got blended in that old melting pot image of you sort of just got part of to be to be crude about just sort of general whiteness and there was sort of a well you're obviously from Europe and they're sort of that all blended together you're supposed to forget the defining traits but it was clear we you were from Europe and northern Europe and you were not from Asia or Africa or the Middle East or any other places like that and that sort of all got glommed together in sort of a generic and when that became the default that's what it is to be American um man yeah it of course there's going to be resistance when somebody says wait a second there's been people of all sorts of different backgrounds from the beginning who are a part of this land and this story as well Maybe another thing that I would add to our working definition of nationalism, in addition to that kind of um, homogenous quality uh, that you you named there, is that while patriotism, I think, can deal with specific ways of seeing how uh, a country does well or badly, like we could compare things like literacy rates or median income or poverty rates or things like that, and we could say... Um, hey, in this area we 're doing great, or in this area we 're really kind of you know behind. Nationalism tends to not want to deal with specifics and just talk in broad terms about being great or we 're winners or we 're like elect- number one and if you press further well what what do you mean you 're number one what do you mean you 're the best on earth there it It gets uncomfortable to actually get into specifics, but patriotism i think as a as a positive is able to deal with specifics and say, hey, in this area we 're doing great in this area we 're not whereas nationalism wants to just sort of make it almost entirely emotional like this it's an emotional commitment uh we're the best we're number one um as opposed to being open to specifics of ways you could improve or ways you are doing well and knowing that those could change over time
1: and i think that that emotional aspect steve is so important to understanding what nationalism is yeah because that that's just so ingrained when you're talking to it to somebody who who's strongly nationalist like And you start bringing up those flaws of Mm -hmm. their country, they get very angry and frustrated, and you can sense that emotion just building up in them. Right. Where if it's just somebody, if it's somebody who is patriotic, they might get a little upset, they're like, you know, because they're annoyed,
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: but not because... But because they're annoyed not because they're angry right they're just right, like right. man we've been striving for this for 200 you know to speak of america we've been striving for this for 200 years and we're still not there
0: yeah yeah
1: um, yeah you know so i think that emotion is a really good point to add into that
0: and that maybe similar to again if, if we think about how how we love people in our lives when 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 you're in a mature place i hope you're able to hear critique about yourself or, you know, when somebody says something about, hey, you know, did you know that your kid was misbehaving or something like that? Like a mature place is like, thank you for telling me I need to have a talk with my kids about how they're misbehaving. Or if somebody points out my flaws, hey, did you know that you misspoke or you came across X or Y or Z or you hurt my feelings? If, If I'm in a mature place, it may not be pleasant to hear that, but if I'm in a mature place, I should be able to hear it and know, okay, I got to address this, whether it's with me or mm-hmm. my kids or somebody else. But when there's this initial reactive, like, no, if you're speaking ill of me like that, I'm I'm so insecure, I can't bear to hear the truth about me. If if yeah. that's where we're at in interpersonal relationship, maybe the equivalence in how we think about nations is sort of that nationalism, too, mm-hmm. of like, I'm uncomfortable with even hearing something that suggests something unpleasant because... I, I just can't handle that so like yes. the, if 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 you're able to hear critique and go that may not be pleasant to hear but it's helpful I need it that it's a sign you're still in a healthy place if it curls into uh, you know the uh, covering your ears I don't want to deal with this kind of thing that's a that's a sign maybe something has gone off off the rails of healthy patriotism into unpleasant nationalism
2: and I think that there's one more factor with nationalism okay um, which is how nationalists view their government.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Uh-huh. Um, that uh, I read an article recently that was talking about how nationalists believe that each different cultural group should have its own government, and you. I think we can see this in particular with Israel and Palestine, uh-huh. and that that government should promote and protect that nation's cultural identity. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, So we maybe see this slightly less in the U.S. with each cultural group having its own government. Like I don't think that's necessarily part of the American nationalist movement. Um, But I do think that in America, we see certain nationalist groups believing that the government should promote and protect that nation's Mm -hmm. perceived cultural identity
0: and maybe we could say related to that too is the difference that nationalism makes uh or the move it makes beyond i'm seeking the welfare of my people nationalism moves toward i'm seeking the the welfare of my people even at the expense of other people that you know like Mm patriotism is able to say of course i want my my neighbors in my country to do well but I can also want success and well-being and prosperity for others. Nationalism tends to be more zero-sum game, that if other people are doing well, it comes at the, our expense. And if we're doing well, it must be at the expense of others. Um, and so is much more interested in comparative advantage. You know, we need to have more weapons than our enemies so that we can defeat them rather than, wait a second, maybe nobody should be living in fear of nuclear war or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that to me seems another important difference that like where patriotism was open ended and able to say, I love the country that I'm from. And I understand that you love the country you're from, you're from. And these are not necessarily mutually exclusive. Nationalism tends to be whatever the high ground or the advantage is we've got to get it for ourselves. And there's unnecessary uh, tension or competition built into that way of thinking rather than a rising tide that raises all boats, you know. So maybe if if we've kind of got a rough picture of the differences or distinctives in our working definitions of patriotism versus nationalism. um, uh, Maybe is it time to add in the additional mix of what happens when you throw Christianity into the mix and talk about Christian nationalism. Yes so m- maybe as as the modifier as the adjective suggests it has to do with what happens when you say not only my country right or wrong or you don't even want to admit your country could be wrong but also sort of make it and my country is the chosen country blessed by God to be the bearer of God's kingdom or when there's an equating of your country with the particular faith of Christianity and again that's sort of competitive and therefore all other countries are not except not as good in God's sight or not as, uh, right or righteous or something like that and that therefore advancing the cause of your country is equal to advancing the cause of the church or of Christ and Christ's kingdom is that a, a, a rough good good place to start
1: I think that's a good place to start but I also think it tends to lean into and we might get into this in later episodes theocracy
0: yeah okay okay two
1: in which like <clears throat> so then all the laws of my nation have to be based off of my Christian beliefs
0: okay okay
1: um regardless of the fact that there might be people of other faiths or no faiths.
0: Right, right, right.
1: In my country.
0: And that seems to go back to Sarah's point earlier about if if nationalism has this kind of our particular culture has to you know be defined by you know, it has to be governed mm-hmm. by a particular group. If that all if you assume then that, that culture brings a particular religion to it, then yeah, we have we have our our culture has to have its own government and has to be in line with our one faith. And there's the assumption that other people's faiths are not supposed to be represented there may be questions whether you are or not allowed to live in that country if you don't share the faith but certainly don't expect your faith's traditions or laws or perspective to be honored or enshrined in law it's it's our way because we're the people in charge that kind of thing yeah okay
2: i i think that we need to define christian nationalism for our conversation through the American lens.
0: Okay, that's helpful. Like, I think mm-hmm. we need to
2: say that this is Christian nationalism in the U.S.
0: Okay, and that's
2: helpful. I And I think particular because there are plenty of countries around the world who have a state religion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have that national church that is interwoven into their government system. And that is the way that they are functioning and have functioned for quite a while. Sure. Um, Whereas in the US, we do not have an official religion. In the same way that we don't have an official language. We have dominant language, which currently is English, but that's starting to shift as um, more and more native Spanish speakers are now part of our society. Um, But we don't have an official language. We don't have an official religion. Um, if anything, because of the, what is it? The second amendment that protects mm-hmm. freedom of religion. It's all from the like, first
0: amendment. All part of They're all clauses in the first amendment.
2: Okay. First amendment. Um, we don't have an official religion. You don't have to be any certain religion. Um, but Christian nationalism in America seems to presume that, that Anglo Protestant is a major part of our identity and our past and therefore should be part of our future sure Mm -hmm.
0: sure and we may get in further episodes and we sort of get take a a closer dive or a closer look into the uh historical uh, uh tracing of what christian nationalism has looked like in different places how there are voices in american culture that would want to say sure you got the first amendment but look at all these people who wrote our finding documents and they will try and pull out look they they assumed it was we were only going to be christians because they couldn't imagine anybody else um, and so like there you'll find people making those kind of arguments but yeah that, that's a, that's a helpful distinction that that other countries for centuries have had an official state church and to some degree yeah that's one form of what christian nationalism can look like here in america there's a different conversation because our founding documents at least on paper say there's not going to be an established church or particular denomination of anything that you have to be um and yet there's the pressure of us still assuming but shouldn't we make it you know the default and and that becomes a, a a point of tension yeah yeah
1: and for 200 years we've called ourselves a christian nation because of the founding fathers and because they couldn't imagine anything but Christians living in this nation. Um, So we have that history to go along with everything else too.
0: Sure. And I mean, like even that, and again, like I don't want to to get too far into the weeds of what will be a whole episode on unto itself of the history of it. Mm -hmm. But even at that, um, that even saying historically, we've been a Christian nation is either painting with an overly broad brush or um, just not paying attention to, I mean, like my goodness, how many, People lived on the land before any settlers from Europe came here. Do not have any sense of Christianity as well. How many people were carried over in slave ships who, uh, you know, practiced whatever indigenous faith they had in um, uh, wherever they had come from in places in the African continent, and then were given sort of a hybridized version of Christianity that said you're supposed to be kept enslaved. Um, and then you even among the the founding fathers, you have some folks who are what we might call classically Orthodox Christian and a goodly number who are what you might call deists who are in that position of like, sure, there's a God, but God doesn't really get involved. And the most we can say is, there's a the hand of divine providence, you know, but, you know, uh, we're looking to cut out the miracles from the Gospels, like uh, Jefferson. Um, so, I mean, like even saying that we're Christian, even among just the people who signed the Declaration of Independence is a little bit of a stretch to begin with. But that that becomes sort of the the the, the starting point for saying, sure, historically, we're a Christian nation. Well, I mean, even even at that, that's kind of uh, with an asterisk, so as yeah. I'd say. Um, So maybe we could say, too, that um, if 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 it were not clear already, it seems to me like there's a a contradiction that happens the moment you move from just plain old nationalism, which I'm already kind of nervous about, but to Christian nationalism, because there's a way of conflating the church, which is this international body of people from all places and language and nations and tribes and tongues to now associating Christianity with one particular nation. And that that nation's fate is also Christianity's fate. Um, and to me, that seems uh, like a contradiction that, that should make Christian nationalism unthinkable. And yet it's the, it's something we, we got to deal with it. To me, it feels like mm-hmm. the witness of the new Testament is that, that the, the people of God are not to be identified with a single cultural group or national boundaries or things like that, even if in part of ancient Israel's history, they saw themselves as a national body that was also the people of God. And again, we'll have to talk about what does that look like in the in the, both the Hebrew scriptures and in the New Testament as well. But for 21st century conversation, the da- a danger and a contradiction in the whole idea of christian nationalism is it takes the idea of christianity which is supposed to be multicultural multilingual every nation all the, all that kind of thing and says well that doesn't really count it's really one nation our nation that is the most important and everybody else can come along for the ride but it's mostly us who matter
2: it it, it introduces a brand of exclusivity to christianity mm-hmm. that makes me very uncomfortable because sure. it's Ex- excluding Christians from other nations, other cultures, but it also having experienced a very specific brand of Christian nationalism in the US, it also tends to exclude other types of Americans. Yeah. Like, because again, if we're talking about American Christian nationalism, to me, the, the how I've seen it expressed also has a flavor of white supremacy. Sure. so uh it's a very white American Christian nationalism and again this is just my experience so maybe this is not everyone's experience but it it again is elevating a very specific type of person above right. everybody else in right. America and, and the
0: world and if it weren't clear I mean like in in the course of even American history the the it, the, the, the the way that's gotten expressed so often is like when, when folks would say in an earlier generation, we're a Christian nation and the assumption was, you know, we mean Protestant and the moment people say, well, wait a second, what about Roman Catholics who have a slightly different take on the, no, well, they don't really. And like, increasingly there's that awareness of there's a particular brand of Christianity that, that people tend to have in mind, because even within the broad swath of Christianity, man, there's an awful lot of difference and divergence. and not only different languages, mm-hmm. but between Roman Catholicism and Orthodoxy and Coptic Christianity, um, uh and again it, when when historically we had people from northern and western europe coming here for a long time this, the assumption was well that's that's what we really mean by christian um when we, well wait a second christianity looks so different in different places and has historically for centuries but you sort of either have to forget that or pretend they don't really count if you're going to sort of have this narrow sense of what what christianity what what kind of christianity should be in charge I, I think your point is a good one sarah that it cuts both ways and does damage in both directions that that when you try and conflate christianity with a uh, national government or nationalism you end up both doing harm to the the political realm the civil realm and you do harm to christianity um that you end up um distorting or um uh excluding folks who are Christian from other places in the world and you also mm-hmm. in the particular country you're talking about treat the people who don't share your faith as though they don't matter either and so it, it harms both it ends up being a distortion both of civic life in your country and it distorts what christianity is i think
2: and it's just a terrible evangelism tool like i have certainly now have had conversation with people while i'm wearing my clerical collar where they want nothing to do with christianity because they equate Christianity to Christian nationalism, right, uh-huh. right, right. And they, you know, have little conflict. Like, you know, they're unchurched, they th- and their experience with the church is now Christian nationalism. It's this very conservative, um, you know, elevating certain people above other people and suppressing and oppressing other like. Marginalizing whole big giant groups of people, and they want nothing to do with that, Mm -hmm. so therefore, Mm -hmm. they want nothing to do with the church or with God.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe we could say, too, one of the other dangers, at least I think that's implicit when Christianity gets added into the mix of nationalism. Um, is that that has a way of feeding the impulse into building empire? Because Christianity is seen as this. Well, this is the power of God, and surely God reigns over all creation, and God wants to rule all the the world. So, therefore, since the kingdom should include everybody that sort of underwrites. Well, of course, you know, uh, our nation, if we're convinced that we are the chosen ones of God, should conquer. I mean, like in American history, that was behind manifest destiny. That was behind we have the right from God to take over the whole continent of North America because we've been chosen by god to be the ones to to do this in a way that other forms of nationalism even when they can be toxic in their own right plain old classic nationalism without the Christian uh, poison pill in it um, can be, well, okay, here's our territory. We don't get to take over the whole world. And in our in our territory, we can you know call all the shots or of the you know, important, but there's not necessarily the impulse to build empire. But once you bring in the impulse of, and we have the authorization from God to do this, or we're God's anointed or chosen or righteous ones, man, is it really easy for that to become an explicit or implicit empire. And again, I don't think that's the only American history. That's certainly under Underlying in British history, and the British Empire, in what we called the Holy Roman Empire of the uh, medieval period, which was not, as, as uh, Mike Myers used to say in Saturday Night Live, was neither holy nor Roman, <laughs> nor even really an empire. Um, but I mean, it was just ways of, of saying, let's use Christianity as our rationality for conquering things. Um, and we've been doing that since Constantine in the 300s. Um, and I don't think it's ever worked well. <laughs> So, okay, it seems like we've at least gotten to a point where we're clear for our own purposes about a starting point of our definitions. As we go forward in this series, patriotism, as we've talked about it, is a potentially positive or at least neutral kind of a thing that is open to critique and also able to celebrate the good things of a particular culture or country or national background. Nationalism tends to curdle into Uh, an emotional reaction that's unable to see critique or hear critique and Christian nationalism has a way of baptizing all that and saying not only do I not want to see any flaws but God has given my particular country the right to be the boss over everybody else and everybody in my country has to share my faith if they want to be fully participant in that nation is that uh, at least a, a decent rough place to start yes I think so Maybe as a, as a place to land, then I'm reminded as we're starting all this conversation of a hymn that in our congregations where I serve we often sing on whatever Sunday is closest to July 4th. Uh, it's a title. It's a, the song is called "This Is My Song" and the melody is uh, that's a Finlandia, which is lovely because it was mm-hmm. written as like a national hymn of one particular country, Finland. But the the opening verse is about um, you know I love my particular country. Got blue skies, got beautiful fields. I love you know all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then it turns to but other countries have blue skies and forests as well uh-huh. and i can recognize that people in those countries love their country as well and the the last verse to me is that this beautiful like it's a, it moves from god you're the the, the god of all nations and Ultimately, we pray for your reign, your, your reign to happen in all places. And we can also celebrate the beautiful things you've done in other places while not being exclusively only concerned about what's happening that's good in our land, our place, our culture. To me, that feels like that's the patriotism at its best mm-hmm. uh, and also underscores when you curdled into, I can't sing any of the other half of that, that song because it means other places are good too. That's where you cross the line into nationalism.
1: That is the only patriotic song that I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yep, yep, For yep. all the reasons you just said, Steve,
0: like yeah, because yeah,
1: yeah. it talks about, it can be sung by anyone in any country.
0: Yeah, yeah. For me, it's it's that one and lift every voice and sing are the only ones that I can I can bear. And yep, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. So, in our future series, in our future episodes, we're going to be taking a look at uh, where the biblical uh, witness talks about this uh, whole subject, and where there be dragons. Our his, our historical uh, background, and then sort of where do we see this this uh, conversation affecting contemporary life where we live. So, we hope that uh, this is at least a solid enough uh, footing for you to join us for further conversations. And we do invite you to join us here next time here on Crazy Faith Talk.
1: See y'all. Bye. <laughs>
0: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com.
0: Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe.